Welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it's You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. Ah, such easy prey. Let her go! Oh, I will. Beyond her wildest dreams, she will go into my mind, and I will go into hers. It's the greatest sensual pleasure there is. You never knew pleasure, or David, only pain. <laughs> Get me back, my <laughs> Don't be afraid. No, be afraid. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood. As we start a new month here at the Retro Blood, and we're talking all about crazy scientist, crazy sci-fi stuff happening in this month of April. And we're going to start it off hot, everybody. Because if you like uh, nerdy scientists who are kind of awkward, if you like very sad love story if you like insect fusion sex boy this review is for you brother because we are talking all about the fly david cronenberg's the fly oh yeah so so we talked a little bit about this before but this is like mm. I, well, when i did the preview i guess uh last episode where i never seen this movie before Yes. Even though it's one of the most, even though I'm a big fan of that David Cronenberg and all his slimy demons that he puts in his uh, films all the time. And yep. uh, I was, this one was very, very surprising about, I didn't realize this movie was like very sad. Like it had like a very sad tone to it, a very sad story. And I was like, man, you know, I liked it. I thought this is a uh, pretty, pretty fun. So this can be a pretty fun review. We don't, we don't really do like a lot of whole lot of sad stories, but you know. This one is uh, this one is very interesting, of how they did all this stuff. So, but uh, I'm guessing you uh, you've seen this a ton before. Oh yeah, I've watched it a lot. I love this movie. So it's this. this mm, I'm not gonna say it's my favorite Cronenberg movie, but it's good. It's really, 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 really good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like it can't be understated how good it is. Yeah, and of course, there has our boy in here, Jeff Goldblum. Which you know, I always remembered him from Jurassic Park, but then again, I am a, I'm a mm. '90s kid. But you know, <clears throat> you know, if we were exactly. if we were rocking in the '80s, mm. you know, the, I didn't he do that uh, Transylvania movie that didn't he do that movie first before yeah. he did this movie? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah, he was also in Transylvania Six Five Thousand. Yeah, but I don't think that he was like a really famous actor. Like a lot of people in this movie are famous now, yes. but I don't know how famous they were then. Like Gina Davis is a very famous actor, and so is Jeff Goldblum. And the guy that played um, the newspaper editor is really famous. Yeah, and it's just it's just interesting because just you know because we like to do stories here on the, the Retro Blood. Like mm-hmm. imagine us watching that you know Transylvania six five thousand show, you know you know very goofy, yeah. very PG. You know, this guy's very funny. So now we know, okay, there's this movie coming out called The Fly, and it's going to have this Jeff Goldblum guy. Like, I would just think, okay, well, is it supposed to be a comedy? But then again, it has that David Cronenberg guy, and that guy's not known for his comedy. So 
But I actually, no, I actually thought, not. <laughs> but I actually thought he did a, a like a really good job, like kind of like mixing a little bit of his humor in there, but with like a very like, like he did the scientist, like guy very well. You know what I mean? Yes. Like the the super nerd, the uh, the uh, the the super awkward uh, uh, type of like genius that just wanted that just wanted to have a relation with the newspaper girl. You know what I mean? But so, and then like when he actually turned and did all that stuff in the fly costume and all his mannerisms and stuff, I was like, man, okay, okay, you know, you can. I think after watching this performance of him, you can see why uh, this guy is going to be like something. Like you know, you, you could tell like he was going to be like a, a big star just by the uh, the way his performance was in this in this movie. So, but everybody, like every retro blood, we go over all the history. Of what's happening in the metal music and the pro wrestling around the release date. For all you new viewers, we like to go, we like to do a little extra on our shows, Retro Blood, every Sunday. Uh, we don't only talk mm-hmm. about the movie and then our backs around the movies, but we also like to create like a weekend. So this movie actually uh, got released in theaters August 15, 1986. So, you know, this is a cool area. Like, this is right here. Like, we talked about this before. Like, this era right here, 1986, is like kind of like when stuff is like changing a little bit. Like it's kind of like wrestling's changing at a pretty good pace. You know, metal's getting a little different, and horror movies are getting a little different around here too. So we're going to like a little little shift over here. But uh, we got a lot of like fun weekend to talk about over here. You know, for this for this particular time period. So what we do is we don't do this a lot, but we do do this where we actually watched a particular wrestling show. You know, sometimes we just talk about, you know, what was happening in the house shows or something. We can't physically see it. But me and Allison actually found on the peacock, brother. The cock. Yes, on the cock, brother. We found <laughs> <laughs> we found a, uh, my old uh, stomping grounds of Dallas, that territory. The mm-hmm. And we don't watch a lot of their shows, but I actually thought this one was pretty good. The WCCW, the World Class Championship Wrestling uh, TV taping from this is actually the day right after the fly, fly aired on theaters, August sixteenth, nineteen eighty six, brother, from the Sportatorium, mm-hmm. brother, in Dallas, Texas. Which I never got to visit, but I'm pretty sure it got torn down before I even moved there. So, but uh, the to start us off, though, like, what did you think about this show, Allison? Just really quick thoughts. Like, isn't it? It's definitely a lot different than how we kind of watch wrestling today. And it's how it's formatted. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> first of all, it's only 45 minutes instead of watching two or three hours. Which is great. Um, yes, but I do like that it... What's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's more concise, but it's also faster paced, too, yeah. than wrestling is now. At least the way WWE is now. Um, you don't have all these like promos. We do have some promos, but you don't have any of these video packages and all this shit like that going on. Um, but you still have story. Like, you know, the whole thing at the end with Bruiser Brody and all that, like that was story building, Yeah. which I think that they actually seem to do better than Crockett. Like Crockett didn't, I don't feel like didn't really do story very well, except in their promos. Mm-hmm. Like you had the four horsemen come out and, and tell a story about something. Yeah. But they're, and then they tapings, might do a yeah. video. Yeah. Like a TV tapings, but then they would all go to the ring and just like beat up a jobber. Yeah. 
Um, whereas this felt like I felt like the matches I was watching actually meant something, which yeah. I actually liked a little better. Um, you know, plus it didn't hurt that it had Brody and a Bill the Butcher in it. I know of all, yeah, because you know that's one of the uh, Bruiser Bros like famous feuds is with uh, yes. Abdul the Butcher, and I'm yes. pretty, they they pretty much took that match like everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't only do it in the Texas territory. They man, I think they even did that match in Japan. I mean, they took that yep. feud everywhere. Which you know, it's not, um, it's not too. What, what I'm trying to say, it's not too unfamiliar to do that. So, there's been a couple of examples throughout of, of history of of a, of a certain two wrestlers that will fight each other in different promotions because it's a hot feud. You know, we kind of had that going on with the uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn now. Like they they fought each other like Ring of Honor and a bunch of indies and eventually made it to the WWF and even fought themselves there, NXT on Raw, SmackDown everywhere. You know, back in the day, like Bruiser Brody and Abdullah the Butcher, they would do that feud not only in Texas, they probably do it in Japan, Florida, like you name it, around different territories that would book them. Uh, they would do that particular feud, and we see that a lot also too on like different indies throughout the years. Like they used to take that. Um, CM Punk and Colt Cabana feud on the road. Yep, that went all over the country. All over the country. You know, Samoa Joe, CM Punk, you know, like there's certain feuds that guys are kind of linked with each other and they travel with each other, probably. <laughs> and then they just fight each other and have a big feud like that. And this is one of this is actually yep. one of the most famous uh, feuds in wrestling was the uh, Duel of the Butcher versus Bruiser Brody. But mm-hmm. what well, I feel like we actually kind of watched an off week of this show. Like, you know, this is just one random yes. show that we watched. And I feel like that if we watched this week to week, the storytelling would 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 be better. Oh yeah. Like I mean, like what we saw was a bad. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like that there were there were probably better weeks of uh Brody and uh yeah. Brody and, and well, this, uh, Abdul. Yeah, what we saw with them was not really like a match. It was just like an angle. Right. Really. Uh but what yeah. little, little side note, um that that was pretty funny. So like, so I'm the one that kind of like came up with the idea because I was looking through the dates because I just I remembered that the Peacock has some old school you know wrestling tapings on there, you know. Yeah. And I thought okay, you know, it'd be kind of cool if we could actually like see it. You know, maybe we'll find one that's around the movie date and stuff. I like how the first one that I sent you, it was like in April, and this movie came out in August. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably because I had like this uh, review month in my head, but boy, that April show on we have to review that sometimes because that show is fantastic there was like a fucking michael hayes and fritz von eric promo my god you have got to see it but hopefully i'll save that one in the yeah, chamber we need a, as i say hopefully we'll find a uh uh we'll find a movie that came out in april around that day that we yeah. can do because um i didn't watch that episode but i did i did read what was on it and i'm like oh man this show would be fucking great i know so, but this one wasn't bad, you know. We're on August. We got some. We got some stuff going on. So, uh, the first match though was uh, something else. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> so I'm the you know people on the podcast. You know, I don't if you guys watch current wrestling or you don't know anything about wrestling or not. So the way we start. The, by the way, everybody, you can find this if you have the Peacock. If you go to WCCW, not WCW, but WCCW. And you scroll down, I think it's season five. It's uh, August 16th, 1999. That's the show we're reviewing right now. Um, so when you turn it on, it's it's just done different back in this way. 
And when I was watching this show, I was I was uh, surprised at the format because what this format kind of reminded me of was like MMA. You know? Yeah, true, right. Where you have like the ring announcer in there and he's like saying, okay, you know, we're here at the uh, sportatorium. Your referee is so-and-so. Uh, the commissioner is here. The, this guy's going to do this one fall contest. And then he just introduces. I was like, man, you know, they don't really do that a whole lot now. Like now we'll just start off with the entrance music going on. Uh, one of the guys will introduce somebody to the ring and then they just go at it. This guy was like introducing, like he was like setting up like it's like a, like, you know, like a, like a boxing event or like a sport, you know? So I, I kind of like that format. I, I get where you can't do that with everything, but I think like one of those smaller promotions should like implement that again, you know, like a yes, ring of honor yeah. or something like that. So, but the first match, boy, talk about selling out this arena. Okay. We have from Puerto Rico, <laughs> Zulu. Zulu. And they were very adamant about ta- ta- telling us how, how that he was from Puerto Rico. Yes, like every minute and a half, they're like Zulu from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Puerto Rico was a really big territory at that time, so maybe they had a reputation for like, you know, having crazy fighters and things like that. But yeah, but yeah, he was like well, Zulu from Puerto Rico. It does make sense because uh, Carlos Colon, which is like one of the biggest yes. Puerto Rican champions, he he actually yeah. did a lot of. Um, he actually went to WCCDW a lot. So I'm pretty sure they yeah. had like a connection with each other. Yeah. But he's then, Carlito's dad, right? Yep. Carlito's dad. Yep. You got it. He, he's on the show. Like I've seen a couple of these episodes before WCCW and he, he was on there quite a few times. But uh, Zulu is facing <laughs> from Texarkana, brother. The yep. very, um, uh, was it Perry Jack? Perry Jackson. Perry Jackson, brother. All right, this match, if you want to see a contest that is slower than snails, you watch this match because, my God, like the one thing, I don't know what he was doing with this guy's arm. <laughs> Did you see that spot where he's like, I don't know what the hell. Like, so Jackson is on his, like, he's like, he's like faced on his belly and Zulu grabs yeah. his arm and he's like trying to like twist it, but it's not really, doesn't really look, look that good. He looks like he's just pounding the mat with his body. It's yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> Well, so when I saw this, I was thinking, this is like every Zack Sabre Jr. match. Oh, come on now. Like, Don't be saying that. <laughs> that. That guy is way better in the technical wrestler than this okay, guy. Okay, he guys. is. You're right. He is, a, he is a better technical wrestler than either one of these guys. But this is the thing. Like, I feel like everybody loves Zack Sabre Jr. but me. And I just feel like, like okay, all right, I got it. He knows 10,000 holds. And, you know, and he just crawls all over the mat and... Like, I don't know. I just, I get bored with his matches too. Okay. See, I get you. You know what I mean? I get you. <laughs> like, I, I, I get it where technical wrestling could be kind of boring, which it can be. But yeah. I, I like, I like, yeah. I, I kind of, so these, when these guys do it, it's definitely boring. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but when you get a guy like Zach or you get a guy like Kurt Angle that does it, like, they, they're mm, obviously okay. like, they're a little bit more fluid with their stuff, so I can kind of like get into a little. Or like Chad Gable, he can kind of do the very good technical style. True, true. You know, I mean, they're a lot more fast paced. You know, when you got Zulu over there putting on the nerve hold, you know, I could, <laughs> I was about to fall asleep myself, and this match is only like three minutes. Okay, so this guy, yeah, the nerve hold it forever. So, do you want to guess, everybody, what this guy's finisher was? A guy named Zulu. His finisher is a bear hug that he only held up the it guy is. for like two seconds. The guy just tapped out. I was like, come on, bro. Come on, Jackson. You can. You got a little more fight in you. Come on now. 
So the next part, though, was the best part of the show. And don't tell me it was. So we have <laughs> Percy Pringle yeah. out for an interview. All the, there. The, yes. As the, I know him. The coming, the, yes, the, uh, the, the pallbearer before he was pallbearer was Percy Pringle in WCCW with still uh, a red face but super blonde hair and mustache. Yeah, I did not know he was blonde as Percy Pringle. Yes. I only know him as Paul Bearer. You know, you mean, have he you was, ever seen Percy Pringle or no? I don't think so. This, this, is this was time? not if he's oh, Yeah, man. if he's always blonde and, and he doesn't he, I mean, this is a completely different character. Like I Very was led different. to believe that they were basically the same character. No. Nope. And he just changed it to make it darker for, for the Undertaker, but no, it's completely different. Like, yeah. you know, it's I like the, I like Percy Pringle better. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he per, the Percy Pringle is basically like the Bobby Heenan manager. He's like the Jim Cornette style manager, you know. But you know, he's like their their big their big manager, heel manager for the uh, WCC territory. And this guy was great. Like this guy, <laughs> he's going there like, yeah, yeah. You guys want to pick up some of them wrestling magazines? You're gonna see my boy Joe Leduc. This guy Joe Leduc. This my this motherfucker picked up a car with his own hands. All right, that's how crazy <laughs> it is. All right, and then he's like, keeps calling out the interview guy. It's like, yeah, you got him. These people don't like me, do they? It's probably your fault. All right, then he, the guy goes on. Oh yeah, what about what about uh, uh what about uh, Rick Rude and stuff? He's he's supposed to be getting uh, a shot, a return match for the uh, for the world heavyweight championship. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that Chris, uh, yeah, that Chris Adams guy. That guy's a liar. All right, you can't trust anything he says. All right, and then the guy g- keeps going on about Gary Hart. He's like, Gary Hart, screw that guy, Gary Hart. I don't like him. You see that? They put him right next to me on this magazine. This is what I think of Gary Hart. And he takes out the magazine, just rips it. He throws it out there. He rips it apart. He's like, I don't care anybody unless they're in the Pringle Dynasty, brother. All right? And then my favorite part <laughs> of this whole interview was this. He's like, okay, uh, you know, before you go, we want to, you know, you're from Mobile, Alabama. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm from Mobile, Alabama, brother. They all love me there. You know, Channel 15. And the guy in the interview guy's like, okay, well, we got we got we got a uh, a fan from there is the is gonna ask you a question from there. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, they all love me down there. And then he's like, can you please stop saying you're from Mobile, Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's all, and, awesome. then, and then Percy's like, this is you, Mercer, isn't it? This is you. You did that, didn't you? They love me there. Those fans don't love me. They love me there. You're doing all this. This is you. All right, you guys don't get me on here for six months or nothing. You do me like this, and you start yelling at the crowd, and everybody's all grabbing over there. I was like, "Fuck!" Because you don't, you know, when he was Paul Bear, he didn't do any of that shit. Like this guy was great, like fantastic yeah, yeah. heel manager. I mean, like fuck this guy. Like this is one promo when he was all like, "Yeah, they love me in Mobile," and the guy's like, "Can you please don't say you're from there?" He's the look on his face was just like, "You might as well," like pissed on his grave. It's he so was so good. pissed. Yeah, it's so good. That was fantastic. Uh, this next match wasn't that fantastic, but it was very long. Which you know, I it don't was. mind. I don't mind having long matches, but boy, this one was long. So we actually have the heavyweight champion of D- WCCW. Now, we we said this on a couple past Retro Bloods, but this is the territory or one of the territories that just has a million belts. Okay, so oh yeah, and I believe at this time they didn't really have the uh, NWA World champion like 
I don't think they had them like coming to, to WC, WCCW. Like I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think they were like really affiliated with the NWA. Um, I could be wrong on that one, but like what what territories would do sometimes is they would have the traveling champion, the NWA, go to all the territories, so he'd be the real champion. And then you know you know you might do at your 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 territory like the uh, you know the Minnesota title heavyweight champion or the New York heavyweight champion or something. So, but this 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 promotion actually had like two heavyweight champions. So the first one is just the WCWA uh, World Champion, which is Chris Adams, which is like pretty much their top title in the the promotion. And he was fighting the Grappler. How exciting! The Grappler. Yes, the Grappler brother with the mustache coming out of the out of the mask. Of <laughs> <That> his <was> mask. <laughs> <laughs> so this match is very it's long. Your- Kind of boring, I'm not gonna lie. Everybody was just <laughs> screaming "super kick" uh, because yeah. you know Chris Alves. He's actually the one who pretty much. In, I don't know if he actually invented the super kick, but he definitely made it famous. Like that was like his move. He did all. He did that moves before the young, obviously the young Buck Shawn Michaels. He did that before everybody. Oh yeah. So they yeah. all got it from him, and he did a great job. Like that was pretty much like the best maneuver he has was a super kick because he hit this guy and he hit him good. So. And of course, after this long match, Chris he picks up the win. You got any thoughts about this match? The only thing I could think of was uh, the grappler's mustache coming out of his mask. Yeah, <laughs> so entire time. Look. And then uh, how it reminded me of uh, Have you ever seen the 1960s Batman TV show? Yes. Yeah. So the Caesar Romero, the guy that played the Joker, refused to shave his mustache off. So when they they did his makeup over top of his mustache, you can clearly see it sticking through the makeup. That's yeah. what this reminds me. Of. <laughs> it was just weird, and it shouldn't have been there. Yeah, but it was there, brother. But uh, Adams he picks up the win. So now we have footage of Bruiser Brody, Bruiser Brody, and Abdullah the Butcher attacking each other. At first, we see it on the screen. Then we see like this interview. All right, and it's uh, um, it's like. <laughs> This interview was a little interesting. I think was it Gary Hart that went up to him. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, Gary Hart went up yeah, to because uh, he chases him to the ring. Yes. Yeah. So like, so this happened like so they have they said that there's like their sister arena in Fort Worth. Okay. Because you know they, this is like the Texas base, so they would do shows at the Cotton Bowl. They would do shows in Fort Worth. Um, they would do shows all around Texas, but you know their main TV spot was the um, was the Sportatorium. But this one was done in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. They're just showing us the footage. So Gary Hart goes up to him, telling him he's like pretty much ducking. And then basically, what Gary Hart was accusing this is a pretty. I don't think it was meant to be funny, but I, I like laughed about this one. Gary Hart's like, "Just admit it, Bruiser. You got fucking steel in your boot, your boots, don't you?" Bruiser's like, "I don't got steel in my boots. Just like I don't got steel in my trunks." <laughs> I was like, "How the fuck <laughs> you can put steel in your trunks?" <laughs> And then he starts chasing him to the <laughs> ring because he accused him of putting steel in his books. That's why he can knock down people. And then a a a a, a, a doula comes up there and beats his ass. And I think he starts using him with the fork and bloodies him up and everything. And then we had to get out people. Um, we had to get them all yeah. separated from there. So showing the angle, basically getting these guys their feet going, uh, which they definitely have some hard hitting bloody matches. So now we have the main event of the show. For the Texas Heavyweight Championship, Mad Dog. What? I said, how exciting. 
Yeah, the, bro, this is the Texas heavyweight champion. <laughs> this is the champion of Texas, brother. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's a champion I of Texas. If I was living in Texas, this is my champion. All right? And our champion is Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. All right? The dad bod man himself. Yeah. Okay? And he's facing the sensation from Africa, Steve Simpson, who looked like a taller, jacked-up jungle boy. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was gonna be like, uh, you know, like, like the African stereotype from the uh, from the eighties. You know, I thought he was gonna be like a cannibal or something. Yeah, you know, named Steve Simpson. No. But no, he's just some regular surfer guy, kind of. Yeah, some pretty boy. All the girls love this guy. Yeah. Pretty boy. Yeah. I mean, this guy. To be honest with you, like this guy had a great look to himself, and he wasn't a bad wrestler either. I'm surprised he didn't do a lot more. Like when I was reading about him a little bit. You know, apparently yeah. he started he started his career in 1984, but then he retired in 1998, and it barely even talks in anything about his uh, WCCW run. He was actually mostly a tag team wrestler his whole his whole career, really, and it did a lot of matches in Puerto Rico and stuff. So, but I thought he mm-hmm. actually did pretty good. Like this guy is like somebody you would have thought, like, okay, we gotta put the rocket to this guy. I mean, the girls were loving him. His wrestling is pretty solid. I mean, I, I, we didn't hear no interviews from him, but the look was there. I mean, I'm surprised that they didn't, uh, somebody didn't get the, well, I guess I'm not too surprised, you know, it's like this guy was like some sort of like, he-man jack dude, but I'm telling you, man, if this guy came, if this guy was wrestling today, I mean, th- this guy would be on TV, no doubt, okay, the Steve Simpson guy, you know, because like I said, he's basically, he looked like a a, a taller, more lean uh, version of Jungle Boy. And his wrestling was pretty solid as well, too. But, you know, sometimes you just come in the wrong era, brother. So, But this match was okay. Of course, it was won, won by uh, Sawyer cheating on his ass, beating him up. So, so yeah, not yeah. a bad episode. That we'll be watching on the television after we just watched The Fly. So not, not too bad of a one on here. But, Allison, what are we going to be listening to on our way to The Fly and on our way to the TV screen after we watch them? WCCW. Well, so this was actually a really good month for music. There was a whole a whole lot of metal that metal ish things that came out this month that we could talk about. But um, we've mentioned this band before, but they released an album full like a few days before this came out. So right before this came out on on August the 9th, Motorhead released the album Orgasmatron. Which is um, one of some of their best songs, and I would normally say it's one of their best albums. Except I don't like the way it sounds. Like it was, it's a 1980s record, a mid 80s album, and it sounds like it. You know, it has the weird like drum machine sounding drums where everything had to sound that certain way that a lot of a lot of bands from the 80s kind of sounded. So it has this weird 1980s sound to it. But it's got like all these classic songs. Mostly, I mean, it's got Orgasmatron, the song, which you know is is a classic. Um, it's it's you know a, I guess you would say a hit if if Motorhead had hits. But you know, it's like one of their biggest songs. It also has Death Forever, has Nothing Up My Sleeve, um, Mean Machine. It's a it's a really 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 good album. And most of these songs they would continue to play for the rest of their career. Have you ever heard the Orgasmatron song or album? I believe I haven't. So yeah, it's very good. You should check it out. I know a little um, bit the, about uh, Motorhead, but not not that much to know like each album and stuff. 
Sure. But uh, it seems like they would be pretty big, you know, during this time. You know, kind of like well-established a little bit. Yeah, like it's like definitely one of their, like Orgasmatron, the song, is like one of those, uh, it's probably not one of the first, but it, or not the first, but it's one of the, I would say one of the first topical songs that they had. They like songs that weren't about, you know, fucking and drinking and fighting and rock and roll. Um, Cause it's about, it's kind of about religion. It's about how like religion kind of um, reaches out to people who are in dire need of something. And then they kind of take them for everything they have. Um, and, you know, this lie to them and uh, it's kind of like what part of it's about at least. Um, so like Orgasmatron has always been like a really, really important song to me. And it's slow, so it sounds different. It's almost a ballad, if you will, for uh, for Motorhead. Uh, maybe we should play it at the end of the album or the end of the show. But uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a classic, and we would be listening to that for sure in in the uh, Trans Am as we were driving around to go see the Fly. Hell yeah, man! You know, I could see you um, can't go wrong with Motorhead. You can't. You know, I could see um, I could see uh, 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 Stannis. The uh, little boss X guy. It seemed like he'd be he'd be he'd be down for a little bit of Motorhead here and there. You know what I mean? Maybe on his off day yeah, when he's yeah. all pissed off. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I could see uh, I could see um, you know the uh, Motorhead being like a really good uh, soundtrack for WCCW as well. Oh yeah, definitely. But wait, you know that Buzz Sawyer, yeah. he definitely liked the Motorhead, that's for sure. Oh, he definitely liked the Motorhead. Him and Triple H are the, probably the biggest Motorhead fans in the world. Yeah. But yeah, man, we, we'll play a little bit of that towards the end, of, at the end of the show. Uh, show some love for the Motorhead. You can't beat them. You know what I mean? Because, you know, Motorhead yeah, always ties into wrestling. Thanks, thanks because of Triple H. Uh, but obviously, they're like one of the most uh, influential bands. And they're definitely, you know, make their their mark in the the metal music and definitely they were getting oh, their yeah. stuff over on the 80s that's for sure yeah yeah and they like i always tell people like you know people talk about how like certain bands are overrated like even like really really good bands are overrated and um that kind of thing but i feel like motorhead is one of those bands that like there's in my opinion there's i think i don't know if i've told you the story before but in my opinion there's five bands that have ever existed five rock and roll bands that have ever existed that are not overrated. They're even better than their reputation is. And those bands are the Ramones, ACDC, the Beatles, Iron Maiden and Motorhead. And I feel like those five bands are so groundbreaking and so good that they're even better than the reputation is. Yeah. And they're definitely one of those bands. That's for sure. So we definitely be rocking them out hard on our way to the fly brother. And speaking of the fly, let's get into it. Let's get into who booked this shit, brother. And boy, is there a lot when it comes to uh, the fly. Um, so, you know, there's so much here with this movie just because of the, the amount of success it has and the legendary status it has. So we're going to talk about the uh, the good old, uh, t- uh, good old talking points or the good old uh, bullet points over here. So obviously, you know, this film was directed by David Cronenberg. Which uh, we talked mm. about his films on here before too, um, you know. Definitely uh, a guy you're gonna see on here a lot. Um, of course, we did the uh, the video drum uh, w- with his, but you know he has like scanners. You know, there's so many movies this guy has done. Um, and I love like pretty much all his movies just because the way his style is is very like fascinating yeah. to me. 
I have a feeling we'll be doing a lot of his movies. Yes, definitely, definitely. <clears throat> so, a couple of things. So, The Fly is actually a remake from the uh, The Fly. I guess in, in the it was made in the fifties. I believe it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was made in the fifties, and uh, it's one of those things. The, the original Fly is a good movie, but it's this is one of those situations where the remake is actually better. Yes. So, The Fly was released August fifteenth, nineteen eighty six, to massive acclaim by critics and audiences with praise mainly regarding the special effects and Goldblum's performance. It grossed $60.6 million at the box office against its $9 million budget. So it definitely made back its money, brother. That's for sure. And it also was the largest yeah. success of Cronenberg's career. So this is like his most successful movie in his career. Uh, Really? Well, I didn't see. It. I, didn't, I didn't read that. I didn't research it a lot. Uh, yeah. So it made more money. It made more of a yeah. profit than any other movie he made. Yeah, okay. largest commercial success doesn't mean it's like fan success. You know, you know what I mean. Like maybe some diehard fans might like other films better. But when it comes to like yeah. box, box office, box office and making money, this is largest commercial success. So we have uh, Wallace and Dupis worked on the film, resulting in their winning an Academy Award for Best Makeup. The only Oscar won by film director Cronenberg, and then of course there's a sequel that we will be talking about supposedly next week supposedly yeah, yeah. yeah i've never seen i've never seen that so we'll see how that goes <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of things about it so in early 1980s co-producer kick omen approached screenwriter charles with the idea of remaking the classic science fiction horror film the fly uh charles began yeah. by regarding uh george's uh, short story and then watching the original film which he had never seen um, so he decided that this project in which he was interested, he talked with producer Stuart Cornfield about setting up the production, and Cornfield very, very quickly agreed. So pretty, pretty quick stuff happening over. Sometimes we see a little tough with the movie, but it seems like this one's going pretty smoothly getting in into production. So then the duo pitched the idea to executives at 20th Century Fox and received. Uh, they seemed like really good praise for it. Like they were pretty down for it, and. And then uh, Charles, he was given money to write a first draft screenplay. He initially wrote an outline similar to that of um, the original story, but both he and Cornford thought that it would be better to remake the material. So, so however, when executives read the script, they were so unimpressed that they immediately withdrew from the project. Oh boy! <laughs> After some ne- negotiations, Cornford um, obstructed the deal whereby Fox would agree to distribute the film if he could set up financial through another source. So, so basically, they were trying to make the, the progression of the fly transformation uh, kind of like how it was, like a slow, gradual build, except for him, yeah. you know, like I guess in the other story, it was basically you go in there, you turn out, oh, you're just automatically a fly demon. Right. So, and yeah, it was really quick, kind of. Yeah. And I guess uh, you know Fox was like, I don't know if we like this slow build kind of thing. So the new producer, Mel Brooks, the film was to be produced by his company, Brooks Films. Cornfled was a frequent collaborator and friend of Brooks. Together they had produced David Lynch's film, The Elephant Man. Brooks, mm-hmm. Brooks would leave his name off the film credits to avoid confusing viewers who might expect a Mel Brooks film to be a comedy. Yeah. Right. Um, have you ever seen a lot of Mel Brooks movies? I probably have, but I don't know any at the top of my head. Okay. Um, like Blazing Saddles is the famous one I can think yeah. of. But I mean, he had a definitely had a uh, 
type, like a type of movie that he made. Like there's like if you go see a Mel Brooks movie, like if you go see Young Frankenstein, you know what it's kind of going to be like. Yeah, um, I believe Mel Brooks did Young Frankenstein. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but I can just I can't. I was think when I read that I was I didn't know that until I read this this little, little article and I was like, I can't imagine what someone must have thought would have thought yeah if they saw mel brooks's name on a movie and then went to see the elephant man or the fly yeah exactly like not only are they both kind of horrific in in different ways they're both very sad and depressing yeah and i'm just like i can't i just can't imagine what that would be like but but yeah i did not know that mel brooks brooks produced this yep or was going to produce this well, I guess he did. He gave the money, but then like he just kept his name out to to, yeah. to not confuse people. So Cronenberg gave. Then, the, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and for Cronenberg, was this? Well, you don't get to the part where Cronenberg comes in the story, but mm-hmm. was this his first? This was his first big movie, right? His first major studio movie. Well, let's see. It says like their first choice for the writer, or the you know director David Cronenberg. Uh, it was him, but he was working on Total Recall. At the time, yes, he was. He was, yeah, yeah. So he didn't, but he didn't actually make that. He was going no. to direct it, and yeah. then he pulled out of it somehow. Yeah. So he did Shivers, Scanners, Videodrome, and The Fly. So this is the movie he made right after the uh, right after Videodrome. So this is his, this would have been his biggest movie at the time for sure. Yes. So apparently they had another director in mind. It's a British director named Robert mm-hmm. Berman. But after seeing one of his short films, Berman was flown to after seeing one of his short films, Berman was flown to Los Angeles to to meet with Pogue, and then the film was in very early stages of pre-production. But then tragedy stuck. Berman's family had been vacationing in South Africa, and his daughter was killed in an accident. That was horrible. Berman boarded a plane to go to his family in Brooks and Cornfed, waited for a month before approaching him about resuming work on the project. Berman told them he, that he was unable to start working so soon, and Brooks told him that he would be wait three months and contact him again. At the end of the three months, Berman told him that he could not commit to the project. Brooks uh, told him that he understood and had uh, freed him from his contract. Freed him from his contract. So we almost had a different director, but then Cornfred then heard that Cronenberg was no longer associated with Total Recall, and he reproached him with the fly. Cronenberg agreed to sign. Anna has a director if he would be allowed to rewrite the script, brother. And then we actually have a couple of different drafts of the script. Uh, yeah. I feel like um, Cronenberg made his version more emotional than the other version would have been. Yes. Yeah, more layers to it. More layers to the story. Yeah. A little more emotional in there. Uh, d- you know, like, you know, doing like his theme of like the body horror and stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah. Which he's really good at. It... it- it's one of those things that just freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like last week, you know, in Pet Cemetery, you know, like the whole yeah. meningitis thing was like, it's kind of like a body horror thing. Like, yes. You know, there's something wrong with your body and you don't know what it is. So we do have some uh, deleted and alternate alternate scenes. After filming ended in early 1986, a rough cut of the fly was shown to Fox executives who were very impressed. A rough cut was then previewed at Toronto's Uptown Theater and a Springer that year. Due to a strong audience reaction, the graphic and infamous monkey cat sequence was cut from the film to make it easier for audiences to maintain sympathy for Brendel's character. After preview screening... Yeah, that, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that monkey cat shit seems fucked up. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that's not in the movie. Yeah, I know. 
monkey cat. I wonder. I guess like they did a monkey and a cat at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, like what ha- like this footage exists. I think. I, yeah. Um. I think I read somewhere that it exists. It was just cut from the movie. But um. So the b- baboon or whatever he was using. Yeah. Um. So he at some point he sends the baboon through the trans matter transmitter, and it disappears. Um, and it, he doesn't know what happened to it. And then later on, he sends a cat through it and then it brings the baboon back and it merges the baboon and the cat together. And this like thing. Interesting. She appears in miles. If I could find that, maybe I'll place it on the, the Facebook page, brother. See if we can find some alternative scenes here on the fly, brother. Some crazy ones. And then another previewing screening was, uh, held at the Fox lot in Los Angeles. And this version featured the butterfly baby coda. As before, the, sc- the screening resulted dictated that the scene be cut. Yes. So maybe I'll try to find two of those and place it for everybody on there. Uh, ooh, let's just see. Cancel projects really quick. So, and, well, this is in the 90s. Eh, not too much stuff on here, so. In 2009, it was rumored that David Cronenberg himself was preparing to direct the second remake of The Fly, but it was not until 2011 that the director addressed the rumors. Cronenberg stated that he has written not a remake, but rather a a sort of sequel script to his 1986 version and would film it if the 20th Century Fox gave the project the go-ahead. That'd be kind of cool. So, we'll have to see what comes of that, if we can get that all going. So, but yeah, there's a lot um, when it comes to the fly, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of details, a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of uh, fanfare when it comes to this movie, because it definitely is a very, uh, a very fascinating tale of a science, a science man in love. But everybody, I say, let's get into, let's get into the full review of the fly here on the Retro Blood. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I had them analyzed. But they were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is... I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person, too, when you saw her socially. No! You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? I want to know what's going on. What does the disease want? Wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. It could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Oh! <laughs> 
All right. So we started off. All right. It's kind of a normal intro. You know what I mean? Just saying the fly. We got, it kind of looked like in the background there's like flies flying around, but in like 3D, something like that. You know, like yeah. the red and red and blue effect. Uh, but when we cut to this, we see, uh, well, Jeff Goldblum. And he is played by Seth Brindle. All right. And he is talking to a reporter that he, I guess, pretends that she's not a reporter right now. Uh, Veronica Rodney Quiddle. Yes. So she goes by Rodney, pretty much. Yes, um, she goes by Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie. Did I say Ronnie? Ronnie. That's the same thing, Ronnie. Oh, I said Ron. Okay. <laughs> I'm like confusing <laughs> myself. Anyway. <laughs> So he's like flirting with her. He's like, hey, you know, he's like, hey, you know, I got like something to change the world. And she's like, well, I think everybody does in here. He's like, no, they don't. <laughs> he's like, how about you come back to my lab and have some coffee? You know, I got one of the machines with the eagles on them. And I was like, what the hell is he talking about? Eagle on them? Or is, it, is that some 80s thing we don't know about or something? I, I think it is. I think he's talking about a... um like an old like espresso machine, which yeah. would have been really rare um, for people to have at the time. Yeah. Um, this, I, th- I think that's what he's meaning, but I could be wrong. So like he's, she's all like, well, why don't you just tell me what your secret is? He's like, there's a bunch of eavesdropping scientists over here. I can't say that. <laughs> so she starts to leave and everything. He's like, well, well where are you going? You don't want to, he's like, you don't want to, you know, I got something that could change the world. You want to hear about it? It's just like, not really. Like, all these people do. It's like, well, they're liars. I'm not lying. I got something I can show you right now that will change the world. So they leave, and so she agrees with him. And they go into the car to go to his laboratory. And apparently in the car ride, he has, like, a motion sickness. He can get, like, motion sick a lot. All right? Mm -hmm. And he's, like, complaining about it. And he said one time he threw up on his tricycle. Hint, hint. We'll see that later. (laughs) Yes, we will. So they go into his laboratory workout. His little laboratory. Basically, like in his old, like, warehouse. And the laboratory, it basically has everything 80s that you can imagine a laboratory looks like. You know, Mm -hmm. the little box thing with the little, like, old school computers. Little buttons everywhere. I love it. Um, so he is, uh, um, <laughs> he's kind of like showing around stuff and he starts playing the piano for some reason. Yes. I thought that was weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's not that weird. Like, you know, he lives in this area. He lives in this warehouse type thing yeah. loft and he has a piano in it that he can play. That's probably impressive. Oh, okay. You just sent me the I mean, picture of the, uh, the, the Eagle Espresso machine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fancy. What is it, Electra Soko Lever? <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like, but like it, it makes espresso. But yeah, it's got an eagle on the top. Okay, that has to be it. <clears throat> All right. Yes. So he starts playing piano randomly. And um, and then she's like, okay, this is probably just a bad idea. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. let me show you. Let me show you all around. <laughs> all right. So he's like, listen, you saw it already, so I can't leave you here alive. He, you know, this this Seth guy, he is basically a very smart scientist, but he also does like a lot of like one-liner jokes that Jeff Goldblum well, does in his career. 
True. That's yeah. true. He's he 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 plays the Jeff Goldblum guy, right? Yes. I don't I don't know if that was a thing before this movie, but it definitely is now. But yeah, he he plays it like he play, like Jeff Goldblum plays every character he he plays from here on out. Yeah, pretty much. Because like they're you know the, obviously he was a little bit more cocky when he was in uh, Jurassic Park and stuff, but mm, the the one liners the one liners and the way he uh, he he talked is very similar. Yeah, I, w- I would almost say that the character in Jurassic Park could have been the same character as this. Yes. So he kind of shows her like these pods, and she thinks, "Oh, that's just a fancy looking uh, phone booth he got there." He's like, "They ain't no phone booths." Yeah. All right. He's like, you know, you got to see how they work. He's like, well, she was like, well, he's like, well, what they are is they're they're uh, they're telepods. All right, and they're controlled by this box right here. All right, and she's like, what the hell, like I. Your little big looking microwaves over here. So she's kind of making fun of them. She's like, no, they're not telephones or microwaves or telepods. It's like, well, what do they do? Right. He's like, well, it's like, okay, well, I'll show you what they'll do. As an example, give me something personal of yours. You know, you got like jewelry or anything like that. Like I can grab in here and I can put it in the pond. She's like, okay. So she takes off her shoes. All right, and then she starts taking off her pantyhose, and our boy is like, "Oh, okay, I see. Oh, that's very nice, very nice." Yeah, that, yeah, that was exciting <laughs> for him. So he puts the stocking in the pod, and this is when we actually meet his. Uh, well, we we don't meet it, but we this is actually when he's actually named Seth Brindle, mm-hmm. and he yeah. talks. He can talk to the. So move over, um, Alexa, Amazon Alexa, move over. Um, Google uh, Assistant, move over there. Move over Bixby. We have Seth. He created the first ever talk to your machine. Yeah, I mean, he, I was gonna say yeah. this movie. A lot of stuff in this movie is way ahead of its time. Yeah, like we can, like a lot of that shit we can actually do now, and it's, um, you, you know, like that shit had to have been like definitely science fiction at the time. Yeah. And then all the stuff with the DNA sequencing, like, I don't know how much we really knew about DNA in the eighties like that. Um, so I like a lot of that shit is like almost like a prophecy of stuff to come. It was kind of crazy. If you think about it. Yeah, definitely. So he puts it, he puts the stock in there. It does a little bit stuff on his machine. And now we see that the, um, the stocking has, it looks like it was like cooked a little bit. So, <laughs> Like Ronnie, she's all like, "Oh, great! Like, what's so great about this? You just microwaved my uh, my stocking." He's like, "No, I didn't. I teleported. Look, look into it." So she grabs the stocking out of there, and she's like, "It's like, whoa, what is this? A hologram?" He's like, "No, no, it's the real one. Look, go, go ahead, go, go touch it." And uh, she's like, "Oh, wow!" Like, so she realizes, "Oh shit, this guy just like teleported an object to another uh, across the room, this other pond." And she's like, you know, how is this even possible? And she's like, you know, she's like, I told you. I told you right there, this thing could change the world. And and then she's like asking, like, so how is this possible? Like, did you build all this stuff? He's like, nah, not really. It's like, you know, I had a lot of people smarter than me, like, give me parts. You know, I'll say, I need this here. I'll say, mm-hmm. I need this there. They'll build it for me. You know, they don't know what I was building. They just know I was asking for those parts. And I just put them all together to make this machine. And she's like, well, what about this, uh, the, the company that you work for, uh, Dark Tunk Company? Like, he's like, yeah, they, you know, they pay me. They don't pay me a lot. It's kind of cheap, but they know whatever I create is going to be theirs anyway. So they kind of just leave me alone. 
And because yep. he said he's been basically working on this project for, was it like six or seven years? And he hasn't told anybody about this at all. And it's pretty much like, you know, the, the reason Rodney was there was to get a big scoop on a new invention that's going to, you know, be a big reader in her magazine. And so she actually goes up to Seth and after she's got this information, she's like, okay, well, let me get a couple of exact quotes from you. And Seth's like, whoa, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> she's like, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a journalist. I'm going to post this shit. He's like, whoa, you can't do that. Like, this is personal. I thought this was just a personal thing. And I'm thinking back. So you think this girl came all the way over here. Like, you were just trying to, like, impress. This is interesting. So, like, he, I guess he, he yeah. didn't think he, she was a journalist. He thought she was just some girl hanging out at the science fair, and he's going to do his science <laughs> experiment so he can get some booty. <laughs> so that's, that's the only part that, that, that surprises me. Oh. So that he didn't know she was a journalist. Yeah. Like, but that, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, he's like the, like the rock star scientist, right? He's like, he's kind of like the, like his character from Jurassic Park. He's like, he's a scientist, but he's like a cool scientist and all these other scientists are lame, but he's cool. So he's like going to hit on this girl that he likes and he's going to take her back to his loft and, you know, his cool hipster loft with his piano and he's going to play his piano song for her and he's going to show her how the, teleport things work and she's going to be oh impressed and she's going to fuck him. Yeah. But then he finds out she's a journalist and now he's like now he's all like worried about her getting his story out there. Yeah, because he he did say that one of the pods you know doesn't work correctly like he wants it to. So yeah. I think you know the thing about the Seth character that we kind of find out is like you know obviously he's a genius because he made this invention that can actually teleport objects. But he still has to work out a lot of kinks of it. So he doesn't want it to be out in the world yet because he's not necessarily ready to, you know, he's not ready to have it out there. So uh, Ronnie, she goes back to her job, which she is working for um, like a newspaper company, you know, obviously because she's a journalist. And she's talking to her boss, um, uh, was it Stannis? Her boss? Stannis? Sure. That sounds good. Yeah. So he is, uh, he's there, and they're going over this, and then he's basically saying, like, ah, oh, you got a trick. That's that old nightclub trick, the, the old nightclub routine. I was like, nightclub routine? So there's a nightclub routine that can, like, vanish a stocking into another <laughs> pod? Like, what kind of nightclubs you go to? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, like, 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 he's talking about, like, old magician tricks, yeah. like, with cabinets and things like that. That's what he's, he's oh, but you. he hasn't seen this. He doesn't know how impressive it is. Yes. So he he basically just thinks that's a con artist and some magic guy that's trying to impress her to get with her. So he's like, okay, let's have lunch. But then he gets a call and he gets a call from him. He's like, oh, hey, your magician's here. You must have did a good impression of him. So Seth shows up and stuff and they start talking. And the boss starts making a bunch of jokes. Uh, it wasn't, you know, a bunch of jokes about the magician. And Seth's like, you know, what's that about? He, he wasn't impressed by my sheen. And she's like, no, nah, no, nah, he thinks you're a scam artist. He's like, great. All right. Because he doesn't want great. his stuff to be got there yet. And she's like, you know, and then, but, you know, Ronnie, she just still wants to publish it. He's like, okay, well, I got one word for you, girl. Cheeseburger. Because they're going to go eat. Right. I have a cheeseburger. It's like the biggest, uh, it's the best pickup line ever, right? Yeah. I'm just going to go over there. Girl, cheeseburger. Huh? Cheeseburger. Huh? There you go. 
So this is when he's talking to her. They're eating the cheeseburger. And so it's basically saying, like, you can't let this get out. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the reason he doesn't want it to get out right now is because the it's just the only thing it could do is it can transport uh, non-living objects. It can just transport, like, objects and stuff. But he wants it to actually transport living stuff. And he said, like, yeah, I tried it one time, and you do not want to see this. Let's just say what we see in there is going to be nastier than what you're eating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more specifically, it can't transfer uh, organic objects. Yes. So then he's uh, then he's starting to come around. He's like, okay, maybe don't write like a newspaper article. How about you write me a book about me? All right. Because then we can read the book about me and then make a movie of my book <laughs> and we can we can say all stuff from the book. <laughs> all right. Yeah, exactly. So we can write a Seth book, and then we can make a Seth movie, and we can say, like, this movie doesn't make make sense to the book. Right. Yes. Like we always do. Like we always do, yes. Um, So then, um, so, you know, he's saying, like, yeah, maybe, you know, write a book, and then you'll definitely be be able to win the Nobel Prize uh, for for winning all this, and, and, you know. But basically what he wants to do is he wants to end the whole experiment while transporting himself through space and about 15 feet away. And that's how he wants to show the world that his invention will work. Mm-hmm. So Ronnie comes home and she hears a shower going off. She's like, what the fuck? So she sees that it's actually Stannis, the guy, the, the boss man, the boss, her boss, taking a shower. She's like, what the fuck are you doing here? It's like, well, I just happened to be in the neighborhood. And just happened to have a key, so I decided to take a yeah, shower in your, a key. in your apartment. He's like, how did you get the key? He's like, well, you Normal. gave it to me. So now we're finding out that Ronnie and the Stannis guy were having employer and employee sexual relations. Yes. All right. So they used to be fecking. All right. So then they, you know, so basically you can see right now that their relationship is, Ronnie's not a big fan of the relationship. She's like, she doesn't really want this relationship anymore, but the 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 boss man he's still all about it so he he uh, he still wants her back um and then she said like you know and he's like then he goes on saying you know that magician of yours is actually a pretty interesting uh person after all do you know he was part of that f2 team you know the Nobel prize for physics guy so apparently, so now he's figured out that this Seth guy is not just some sort of con artist. He's actually a very smart individual. So now he's thinking, okay, there might be something here to what you've been telling me. She says, like, um, she said, like, listen, you know, she's very busy and stuff. She kind of just wants him to leave. So, and she's basically asking for the key back, but he doesn't want to give her the key back. So we can see there's a little tension between the two. So now we see um, Ronnie and Seth, they're not working on uh, a device. They're working on the uh, teleportation sequence. So they're trying out a bamboon out. Uh, they're trying to, yes. and they're filming all this too. So what um, So what the, uh, the uh, Ronnie's doing, she's filming. She agreed, you know, Seth and all of them agreed to film some of his experiments, you know, leading up to their book and then have a bunch of footage of uh of you know trying to get him to teleport himself so we're, we're pretty much just documenting everything so they put the little bamboo in there and it, it does all the sequence and he and he 
puts over the bamboo into the next uh, pod. And then they mm-hmm. see if it's working. Then we see a bloody hand and they open it up. Then we get a bunch of bamboo guts everywhere. So, yeah, it's goo. Yep, all this goo on there. So now, you know, Seth's all, you know, he's all upset because, you know, he thought he had the the right sequence this time to actually transfer a living object out there. But he was like just saying like, you know, Ryan's like, okay, what do you, what do you want to tell everybody? I was like, well, I'll tell everybody, fuck, you know, I turned the monkey inside out. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like the machine can't handle the flesh. It can't handle the flesh on this machine. And she's like, what's going on? It's like, well, the computer is stupid. You got to tell it what to do, but the computers, mm-hmm. they don't understand like flesh and stuff. They don't understand that kind of stuff. Maybe, you know, it could be me. Maybe I just don't under, uh, understand this flesh. So how am I supposed to tell it to the computer? Mm-hmm. So we're getting some deep science shit over here. I like it. So they're relaxing now. All right. And then she's all like, Ryan's all like to say, like, you ever change that clothes? I was like, what are you talking about? I change my clothes all the time. She's like, oh, I see the same shit. And then she looks in his closet. She's like, you got five sets of the same shirts and shit? He's like, yeah. You know, Einstein taught me that, you know. I don't like to think about what I'm wearing. I can just focus on other things. Yeah, he just gets the next yeah. one out of the closet. I'm like, fuck, it's that easy. Huh? I don't have to worry about it this is. cool shirt or nothing. I just wear the same shit all the time. Yeah, you just buy five of the same clothes and you just put those on every single day. Yeah. And then like she's like, okay, well, I got some steaks. You want me to make them? It's like, well, why don't we just go out? And then, and then like, mm-hmm. out of nowhere. I didn't really see this coming. But then Ryan's like, <laughs> you know, you're very cute. He's like, okay. And they start kissing and shit. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Did I miss something here? Like, I guess she went, I guess she's hanging out with him all the time. Maybe she liked his jokes and shit. And his smartness. I at first I thought she was just trying to sleep with him, you know, to get him going to, you know, not leave leave her out of the story. But she actually generally right. ended up liking him stuff. So they're yeah, all yeah. Yeah. so they're all kissing and stuff at the bedtime. They had some sex. All right, and then uh, Seth he rolls over to a chip and it's like stuck to his back. It's like oh that's where I put that thing. <laughs> and she takes it out of the back. She starts kissing it. She's like, I can just eat you all up. And then she's like, your flesh makes me crazy. Mm. And then like, I guess like, like, um, Seth has like an idea. He's like, oh shit, I got an idea. Want to do an experiment? So he cuts up the steak meat and he teleports the meat. Yeah. Well, half of it. Half of the meat, yes. And then after that, he adds, uh, he, he like, he codes it all stuff. He's coding his machine. Yeah. And he's he's basically bringing both parts of the steak to Rodney. He's like, eat this one. She's like, okay, it tastes like a snake. Okay, well, eat this one. He's like, oh, I'm not going to eat that shit. It's a teleported meat. You know? She's like, just, <laughs> just eat it. Just taste it. It'll be okay. She tastes it and shit. She's like, well, how's it taste? She's like, well, it tastes very synthetic. Yeah. All right? And he's like, okay. He's like, so the computer is making the object appear to it, but it's not, I still got to teach it to do like flesh and stuff, like to how to be really like a flesh. They kept saying flesh and flesh all this time. This Cronenberg, he loves his flesh, that's for sure. This motherfucker, he oh, will make well, yeah. he'll make this flesh be the most disgusting flesh you've ever seen in your life. All right? He must have like a, a thing for it. So there's, they're basically Seth is trying to get the flesh 
to like not only look like the flesh but actually like feel like it too like taste like it he has to figure out how to put that into scientific coding on his machine so yeah yeah because because basically what is what it's kind of doing is it's um it, it i think that he he says that it's um it's making a synthetic version so it's like it's it's splitting the atoms apart to move them from one to another but when it can't figure out what it's supposed to look like, it just tries to put it back together with synthetic material. And yeah. it's just it's just not the same. Not the same, now. So after all this stuff, he's going to work on it some more. And now Ronnie, she leaves. And now she gets followed by her boss man, Stannis. So every time I see Stannis, I mean the boss. I just call him the boss boyfriend in my notes. Yeah, that's fine. So she is buying like a leather jacket because she is now digging to Seth and she wants him to have a little more style. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And right here she's about to like, I guess maybe check out the boss there is like, she's like, what the hell? He's like, I knew it. She's like, what's going on? It's like, I followed you. Physicist meeting my ass. I know what's going on over here. You're, You're staying out with that magician guy. All right. And she's all like, listen, listen, I'm on to something big over here. And he's like, oh, big? What, like his cock? <laughs> I was like, damn, this guy's jealous. And then he starts going crazy in front of everybody. He's like, you know, I can't believe you're doing all this stuff to me and stuff. You're like a goddess and everything. You know, he's like going on his bed. Oh, please, goddess of oh, goddess. I'm like, this guy just acted up a scene in front of the store. And she's like, listen, yeah. we are finishing stuff and I can sleep with whoever I please. She buys a jacket, and the guy, the fucking, uh, is all into it. Who like sold her the jacket? I was like, okay. So she all leaves out of there. Okay. So now, um, now Seth is trying out the second bamboo. Okay. And he tries this one out. You know, while she's recording it, and this one actually works. The bamboo actually comes through the second pod and is okay. And he's like, oh, you know, he basically thinks like he figured it out. Like, oh, shit, I got it, you know. But like he's saying, though, before we can, uh, you know, truly be believe that this happened, we got to send it out for test. And this could be like, you know, weeks or it could be months to see to make sure everything is okay. And then she's like, okay. Then Ronnie's like, okay, well, why don't we take a trip while we're waiting and stuff? She's like, and then like Seth's like, this is like a romance thing here. And she's like, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's a romance thing? Okay, well, let me go order Chinese food. Okay, what's wrong with that? That's just so random. I mean, I guess well, so. I mean... Chinese, okay. You you mean, know. He wants to do a romantic Chinese dinner. Sure. All right? With strawberries and Chinese... <laughs> Chow Ming, brother. I got gotcha. you. So then she looks, she saw, she sees like these papers right on the floor. She's like, "What are these?" She's like, "Oh yeah, some your your publisher's guy dropped these off." So she opens them. She sees like a big like news. It looks like a man magazine cover, you know, basically t- talking all about Seth and his experiments and everything. And she's like, "Oh fuck, this guy's trolling me." Her boss ex is trolling her. So she's like, "Hey, listen, I gotta leave right now." He's like, "Well, where are you going? I'm ordering this Chinese stuff." She's like, listen, I got to mm-hmm. take care of something personal and I got to finally scrape this off my shoe. And he's like confused. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And then she leaves and stuff. And she's going to go to confront the boss man. But she's kind of like keeping in like a little bit of a secret of what she's doing behind Seth's back. Because he's like, 
you know, I know we've only been dating for like a week, but you know, old married couples don't keep anything away from each other. I was like, whoa, bro. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Whoa, bro. Whoa. Calm down. So now uh, Ryan, she is like going up to the uh, her ex and stuff. And she's putting all these papers like, you know, what the hell is this and stuff? And she's like, and he's like, you know, hey, I'm just trying to get the, the story rolling for you and stuff. I need something big. And she's like, you know, you're like, you disgust me and everything. So while this is going on, you know, why um, why Ronnie is like uh, bitching to her Xbox, Seth is like drinking. And he's all like talking to the bamboo a little bit. And he finally figures out that what she what she meant was she was leaving to go confront her ex. And of course her ex is the editor, which is that boss man. And now he's all kind of like upset about it. And now he's also apologizing to the bamboo for killing his brother. And he said, like, listen, bamboo, I would never tell any of you guys in my experience. I would never do anything that I wouldn't do myself. So I'm going to be a soldier about this one. So this is when he's putting himself into the machine now. And he's just randomly doing this. And we hear like a fly sound throughout the whole time he's like putting himself into the machine. And he's filming the baboon is like swatting at the fly. Yeah, swatting at the fly. Yep. And he's putting himself in the pod. He got it all ready. Uh, he's filming everything as, t- as well, too. The door, uh, Then he puts himself in the whole thing, and we could see the fly actually got into the machine itself, too. So then the door opens, Seth comes out. And he's like, now it's like the next time, and Ron- Ronnie's over there now. And he's all like, yeah, I just, I feel, you know, I feel a little different. I feel like really good and stuff, but I actually did it. I actually transported myself over here in a success. I'm sorry that you missed it, but I did film it for you. Yeah. So, um, maybe you mentioned this and I wasn't paying attention, but d- doesn't he trans transmit the, uh, the baboon though, as safely or yeah, no? Yeah. No. Yeah. We did that. We talked about that already. Oh yeah. All right. Sorry. I must've missed that. All right. Very good. Yeah. So, and, and he says the baboon's fine. Yeah, the, yeah, the bad. Yeah, he the says, he said, well, he's talking to the baboon. He says, "You're fine. Look at you. There's nothing wrong with you." And then he transmits himself. Yes, okay. Yes. I guess. And so, like, he's all saying to himself, "Like, you know, I did it. Everything is good now." And he filmed it all. So now, like, he's sleeping, and Ronnie comes in, kind of wakes him up, and everything. And they start kissing and stuff. And she's like, "You know, I missed you over here." It's like he's like, "I did it. I actually like trans t- successfully transported myself." It's like she's like what? Like, yeah, I was like yeah, yeah. I filmed it all for you though. So he was all like saying, um, <clears throat> he's all saying to her, I was like yeah, you know, you know, I missed you last night and stuff. She's like, well, you know, it's still night and everything. He's like, well, you know, I did go through last night and I was like drunk and upset and stuff. <laughs> That's why I went through there. Right. And then it's like you know, I just thought you were like sleeping with your uh, your ex boss over there. It's just like, you know, I was just feeling like upset and jealous. That's kind of like why I did it. So like he basically just admits like he was just feeling jealous and upset and he just wanted to do that to, to get it out of the way. And uh, and then they, you know, they both kind of like make up a little bit and they both kiss each other. Mm-hmm. So they're all both sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. And there's like a fly that's around there. It's like moving around. There's a like fly moving around and then stuff. Like he catches the fly really quick. Like he has quick reflexes. He's like, oh, that's kind of weird. So Ronnie wakes up a little bit, and she actually sees Seth, like, staring at something, like, very hardcore, and she couldn't really figure it out. 
And then he starts doing like sit-ups and like push-ups and stuff on his chair. And then he starts doing a lot of stretches and a lot of workouts, like these random like weird like flips and stuff. It looks like he was going to train for some Lucha Libre out there, brother. All right. Doing all them flip, flop, flippy, floppy, flipsy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. flippy, floppies. Like, he he was really good at that. Like, you yeah, know, he really was, uh, yeah, you could definitely tell that he he was, like, realizing that he was definitely stronger and more agile than he'd ever been before. Yes. Some would say as agile as a fly. Ooh, there you go. And she goes and touches them. So now they're in the city with his new jacket on, and he's getting her a necklace, and then he starts going off on this, like, in, in like, this coffee shop. Said uh, the computer said nothing. It ch- it changed, but he thinks that uh, he's gonna go through uh, a cleansing. Like he felt like he felt like going through the uh, the the pod gave his body like a cleansing to be like a better of himself. And mm-hmm. while he's doing this, he's like drinking sugar like crazy. Like he's sipping on the sugar and stuff. And she's like, "Hey, do you really have sugar? That's my sugar with your coffee." And he's like, blows her off. <laughs> and he's all like, he's like just saying like, you know, I finally feel like the real me. Like during this whole time. You know, I've been so big on this experiment that I actually finally feel like the real me and going through it and stuff, I just feel like a whole new person. And he feels like a million bucks after going through like this whole pod transformation. And then, like, he's just basically saying, move over, world. I'm going to be hyper on you. Let's go. Like, he's ready to move. So then, we cut to a scene. They start having some hardcore sex, brother. And she's oh like, yeah, she's like, he is. Uh, yeah, he's going he at it, brother. Total he, sex machine. Yes. So apparently, going through this pod, brother, it's like Bluetooth. They fucking get you going, brother. All right, move mm-hmm. over, Viago. We got telepods. All right. So they're having sex. She's like, man, it's been hours. And you keep going. He's like, yeah, I can keep going. You can see like he's like ready to go and stuff. But you can also see there's like a transformation in his face. It's starting like it looks like it's starting to break out a little bit. And um, and then she kind of feels like his back, you know, that same back that got um, hurt by the uh, little little chip toy in his bed. Yeah. It's starting to grow like little hairs out. And she's like, oh, that's kind of weird. Your back's growing hairs. Like, he doesn't care. He just wants to have more sex. Mm-hmm. All right. So then she's like, kind of goes away. And then he just goes and grabs some ice cream, like hardcore ice cream. And she actually cuts a part of the hairs. And, she, and she's like, you know, what the hell? And then she, she he basically tells her, like, listen. I think you should go through the portal. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that stuff. He's like, well, what the fuck? Why not? You know, let's go through the portal. You'll feel like a million bucks just like I do. She's like, I don't feel comfortable doing it. It's like, oh, you're just a fucking drag. You don't want to be like me. You don't want to be, you know, you don't want to feel good. You don't want to, you know, be on my level. Basically, that was what he was saying. And then she's like, you know, something's, something, you've been off for a little bit. Something's wrong with you and stuff. And she's like, no, you're just too chicken shit to go through it. So they start fighting a little bit. And he basically tells her to leave. And he's also saying, like, listen, you know, if if you're not going to go through the pod, I will find somebody who, I will find somebody out there who can keep up with me. All right. And then he's uh, like, go ahead. And he, yeah. I was going to say, and then he kind of tries to do that. Yep. And he like, just leaves out there. So now he's like leaving out there and stuff. And then he's all basically saying, like, you know, I'm gonna go find somebody who can who can satisfy my flesh. Alright? And you can basically be with me and keep up to my level. So he gets out there, he's on the street and stuff, walking super hard. He goes to like this like rent like if you're gonna go out there and find a girl who can keep up with you, like, 
He goes like this is the most like dive bar of dive bars I've ever seen. Okay. So he goes up to the bar and there's like some girl just watching these guys like arm wrestle. He's like, hey, you know, what's your yeah. name and stuff? He's like talking to him. He's like, you know, what, what are they doing? They're like arm wrestling. And he's all like, yeah, you know, I, I'll join into him. The other two guys are like, hey, man, you're disturbing all of us. He's like, listen, guys, I'll arm wrestle you right now. If I win, <laughs> I get her. And she's like, I'm not a hooker. What do I look like, a hooker? And the other guy's like, okay. He's like, well, here's the hundred bucks. You can keep the hundred bucks and I'll go away from here. But if I win, I get her for the night. And, they all, and the guy eventually agrees. And then they start doing some arm wrestling stuff. And you can see like a little bit of his skin kind of like doing that little white. What is it? Like a little, like, yeah. little white uh, goo coming out of his hand. Goo, yeah. And mm-hmm. then he eventually breaks the dude's arm and he wins the girl. Off. Right, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, basically breaks it <laughs> off and shit. And like, they're like, and then, it, then he just takes the girl. She's all cool with it now. Yeah. And she's all like, sure. She's like, you one of them bodybuilder kind of dudes? <laughs> he's like, yes, yes. I, yeah, I break bodies and I put them back together. <laughs> yeah, because he's uh, he definitely looks like a bodybuilder. Yeah, and she's and he's all like, well, he's he's like, let's go back to my place. She's like, no, no, no. Like we, I mean, I'm fine with going back to your place because I live with my mom. But let's go party some more. He's like, okay, like, yeah, we'll go party <laughs> some more. So they get back after partying, and he looks rough. Like Seth, he's starting to look a little mm-hmm. rough. All right, and. So she takes her, so she can't walk all the way upstairs. So he just takes her upstairs and he walks up like a couple flights of stairs. Um, he sits her in the chair and she's basically like kind of like half naked. Uh, he goes to the machine again, like he goes through it a, a second time, and he gets out of there. And she and she's like, "You're some sort of like magician or something." He's like, "Yeah, I'm something like that." He like kisses her. And I was having some freaky fly bug transform man sex with her. <laughs> right. Yes, that's, exa- that's exactly what happens. Yes. Like, what if she was pregnant? I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we'll get right. to that, though. But, like, we, you know, just to jump ahead a little bit, like, yeah, what, why wouldn't you check her? What if she, uh, like, she'll really have the bug right, demon exactly. in her, not the other girl. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, he didn't fuck right. her when the, he didn't fuck Rodney when he was, he fucked her when she was fine. Well, kind of, I guess. Right. No, no, yeah. he did fuck her. When, yeah, he was still, yeah, he's still a bug demon when he fucked her. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what Fly 2 was about. Oh, we yeah, 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 maybe, yeah, it is. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, so basically, after fucking her, the girl's like, okay, she's like, all happy now. You want to get like some breakfast or something? He's like, like no. He's like, you should go through the machine. She's like, I don't want to do that. He's like, you'll feel sexier. She's like, I already feel sexy. He's like, listen, listen, don't don't worry about that stuff. You know, you just go through the machine. You know, everything will be fine. You know, don't be afraid. And then right when he says that, then we see Ronnie. She's like, no, be afraid. Be very afraid. Be very yeah. afraid. And he's all, and then like this guy Seth, he shows to say faith. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, hey girl, you know how you said you live with your mom? Yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. It's awesome. And then she's like, she doesn't believe it at all. She's like, okay, I see where this is going. She's like, thanks for the good time, and he gets out of there. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, um, and then, and then after that, then Seth is like, well, why'd you scare her off? She's like, she's like, man, you need to change. You're looking, you look and you smell bad. All right. 
She's like, oh, and then he's like, oh, I was looking smell bad. What's the problem? And she's, I took the lab, I took the hairs to the lab, all right, and it has and the guy couldn't figure it out, and he had some strange results, basically saying that it's not human, it's actually insect hairs. So I think there's something going on over here. And she's like saying, like, listen, your face is also getting a little fucked up too, all right. And he's just kind of like yeah. blowing her off during the whole time. She's like, what? He's like, I don't feel bad. I don't feel like an insect. I don't feel bad. Look at this. Would a sick man do this? And he punches the wall. And he's they basically yeah. tells her to get out and don't come back. So she leaves. And then, uh, so Seth now looking at his face and stuff, he's like, oh, yeah, my face is a little fucked up. And he eventually breaks some of the shower. Well, he breaks the shaver. Like, he was trying to, like, shape his face a little bit, and then he just breaks the shaver. So he's kind of, like, figuring out that something is kind of going a little weird with his body. And then he's doing that part where he's, like, peeling off his, like, fucking uh, thumb, his, like, uh, fucking fingernails. Getting kind of nasty here. He's like asking, like he's like. That's also when he's well, doing that too. He's also asking, like he thinks he might be dying now. Yeah, like when he's talking to the mirror. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the first part that like really started to gross me out. Like when he's like picking at his fingernails and then his finger like squirts that goo all over the mirror. Yeah. And it's like, that's yeah. like, oh god. It's like I don't know. Like Cronenberg does that a lot. Like every time in his movies, like it's always something that just freaks me out like every time like i get a pimple or something i'm just thinking it's some like cronenberg disease that i have now <laughs> yeah exactly well, actually i got like a bump back here it might be like an ingrown hair i wonder if cronenberg he probably yeah. do, he probably make that shit fucking come out like a demon coming out of my fucking back <laughs> yeah it would just open up like a big mouth and then it's yeah. like squirt like blood and pus and yeah, shit pus, all over yeah. the wall this guy so, you know, now Seth is a little worried about it. He's like, you know, what the fuck is going on here? So he starts talking to his computer. All right. And the computer is like, he's going back and saying, the computer's basically saying like, yes, the pod had two life forms that went through. He's like, two life forms? Like, what the fuck? And he's kind of like trying to figure out what this other life form was. And he's like, okay, computer, what was the other life form? And the computer's like, well, life form was, number one was Brendel. Life form number two wasn't Brendel. Yeah, it was not Brendel. I was yeah. like, this fucking computer is trolling Seth. I was like, boy, this 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 computer must be fucking uh, Twitter. Alright? <laughs> fucking trolling our boy over here. He's <laughs> 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 like, yeah. I know it wasn't fucking me. What was it? So eventually he puts a couple of stuff together, like molecules and stuff, and he figures out it was a fucking fly. The second yeah. Uh, the second molecule that was in there was a fly. All right. And, and then Brenda's like, okay, computer. So did like, what's going on here? Like the fly, did it like absorb the fly? And the computer's like, no, you're fused with it. And he's like, fused with it? What the hell do you mean fused with it? It's like <clears throat> molecular genetic levels of fusion. Yeah. And he's like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so basically... When he transformed with that, the 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 computer recognized, didn't recognize to like keep them separate. It like fused their genetic DNA together, and out comes yes. this Brendel of a man fly genetic molecule connection, brother. Yeah, Brendel fly, Brendel fly. Yes. So Ronnie, she's in the room now, and she gets a call from Seth. 
right? And he's all, listen, I didn't want to see you, but I have to see you now. It's been like four weeks and stuff, and I haven't seen you. He's like, can you please come in here and see me? She's like, she agrees. So she goes in there. He's really fucked up now. Yeah, he's fucked up now. Like, he's kind of like, his face, so his face was like a little pimply and before he had like a little, he was still like <laughs> looking like himself. But the, obviously his fingernails were coming out and he was doing a little bit of pus. But now when she walks in here, he looks kind of like, he, his face is all pretty much like fucked up. All right, it gets worse, but he's basically in the in the stage where he's like, okay, he can't even go outside now because people are going to be like, what the fuck is this thing? Yeah. And he basically said, he basically tells her what happens. Like, listen, what happened was when I went through the pod, there's a fly that got in there. And basically what the computer did, it, it, it morphed our DNAs together. All right? And, you know, I'm a little scared over here. Like, I mean, it fucking morphed me into a fly. And then why is he, why is he he's saying all this stuff? His ear falls off and he vomits a little bit, and she's grossed out. Okay, does it? Isn't that where he vomits on the donut? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He vomits on the donut. Yes, he gets the donut out of the box and he's just like, yeah. and then just like vomits on. It. She's like, oh my god. Yeah, and he's like, oh, like, that's. Not I mean, good. like her reactions were very, I think, very realistic. Oh yeah, definitely. Like when she's reacting to like him falling apart and his ear falling off and yeah. shit, like I think that's how a real person would react in a situation. Yeah, and then of course he he's like making like little slide jokes about it. Like, oh, that's not good. It's like oh shit, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also got like his shirt has like goo and shit all over it, like, yeah. like where he's been throwing up on stuff to to digest it because like flies can't eat solid food, like they have to. They digest stuff outside their body and then and then like drink it back basically. Yes. Um. So that's kind of so that's like what he's been doing. So he's got like like just pu- like pussy looking goo all over him, and she's like still trying to hug him at this point, but like yeah. it's it's getting rough. And he's it's basically rough. you know saying like he needs help, like he needs some help. So Ronnie yeah, goes no up kid, to the no boss. Shit. Yeah, she goes up to the boss and like I don't know why she goes up to this guy. Like what the fuck is this guy gonna do? And basically, the boss is like um, saying, like, so he's he's basically saying that you know, hey, I don't think you should go over there anymore. Like, he, you know, so basically, Seth also recommended, like, he didn't know if this was contagious or not. You know, that's why he kind of wanted uh, Ronnie to stay a little back from him. And you know, the the boss guy is like, listen, like, this could be contagious. I don't want you going over there. You know, like, and she's like, no, no, we gotta help him. I just feel so sad for him and stuff. Like, we gotta figure out something to help him. And he's all like, listen, like. I don't know what you want to do, you know, the, the see we can help him out. I might have to see him for myself, but you know, you know, I'll do, I'll help you out and see what, you know, what we can do over here to uh, get him. But I kind of want to see him for myself to see maybe if I look at him, you know, I can, I can give you a better understanding of what we can do to try to help him out. So, and then he's all like, but, but after this, can I claim your body? But this motherfucker is trying to be Well, sly. this guy never quits, does he? Never quits. So now Ronnie, she's going to go to Seth now. So she's she's basically going to go to Seth, maybe get some more stuff, get some more information out of him to see how she can help him out with uh, with her ex-boss. So she goes there, and now Seth, he's on the wall. So he starts sticking to the wall and stuff. He's all like, hey, look, I'm on the wall like a fly. He's like, hey, look at this <laughs> on my, uh, see this right here? You know what that is? I don't know either. <laughs> All right, and that now thing's he's sticking out of him. Yeah. yeah, and now he says, like, you know, I'm getting kind of used to this form. You know, I'm starting to like it and stuff. So he basically is saying, like, listen, 
I'm kind of like a new form of a human now, you know? And I was, you know, mm-hmm. humans always want to be something different. And now I have, I have achieved that. I have achieved a new species. So I could be yes. basically like the first of my kind. So then he, and then, you know, obviously like, uh, Ryan's like, okay, this guy's going a little mental here. And he's like, okay. And this is what Allison kind of explained to us. He's like, listen, let me show you guys something. You know, you know, flies can't eat like normal food. You know, I tried it and I got all thrown up. So what they do is they throw up on it and they suck it all back. Here, here, here. Let film me show it, you. Film it and I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, trust me, once you get this shit on film, if you produce this, you'll get that Nobel Prize in no time. I was like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> But the the scene where he's climbing on the walls, that's the part that I told you that I don't know how they made how they did that. Like I understand how they did the part where he's climbing on the walls because you can shoot it as so you could paint a floor to look like a ceiling or a wall, yeah. and then shoot it from the top, and it looks like you're looking up on him, but you're actually looking down. But this, but there's a scene where they don't break away, and he's hanging on the wall, and then he just jumps down to the floor hmm. with no cuts, and I have no idea how they did that. Unless somehow he was hanging on the wall and just let it go, but it didn't Maybe. look like that. It looked like he was like on a floor, like that was painted like a wall, which is what I thought w- w- I was looking at. Yeah. And then he just kind of lets go and he jumps down on the floor, on the actual floor. I, I have no idea how they filmed that in 1986. Maybe they got some of those like sticky gloves and they got some gymnast guy to do it. Yeah, that's probably it. So. Now we're back at Ronnie's place and the boss, Stannis guy, he is looking at the film of him eating the donuts and sucking it all up. And he's like disgusted. Like there's no, <laughs> this guy's face like, oh fuck. There ain't no help in this guy. All right. No. This guy's fucked. All right. So while he's watching this film, um, Ronnie shows up. She goes crying into the bathroom. He's like, hey, what's going on? She's like, I'm pregnant. He's like, oh shit. He's like, yeah, with Seth's baby. baby. Yeah, yeah, but the fly, yeah, she thinks, yeah. He's like, oh, crap. He's like, what are we going to do about that? <laughs> so then there's a scene of Rodney. She's getting wheeled into the abortion clinic. This is when this movie started getting a little serious, right? When we find out that she's a little pregnant. So she has this dream where she's getting an abortion, but she's like conflicted with it. You know, like mm-hmm. all, you know, that subject of obviously a lot of people are conflicted yeah. when they have that. And they give, they give her the abortion, but it, like it's like a, it's like a demon seed. It's like a little fly demon that comes it's out. It's like of a her. maggot. Yeah, maggot, yeah. And she wakes up and of course, you know, that that would freak out somebody. You know, this guy is has an illness. He fucked me and put a baby in me while he was in this demon form. Like you don't know. I mean that right. this is like some this is this this shit makes sense of this being kind of like her freaked out. So Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So then after this we have um Seth and he is on his little computer. And his computer, he's writing some notes on his computer, which I wrote down, <coughs> if I may. So we have the the Brindle Fly Project, okay? The problem to refine fusion program goal to decrease to a minimum the percentage of fly in Brindle Fly. The solution, the fusion by gene splicing of Brindle Fly with one or more pure human subjects. So basically, what he's trying to do is he's trying to build a uh, a pod. He has two pods, and he's going to put himself in one and a pure human, and they're both going to zorp into another pod, and he hopes that while doing that, 
it can slow down the fusion of the bug because there's going to be more human cells into him. Yeah, so he's going to do it as many times as it takes to get as much of the bug out of him as possible. Yes. The problem is he just doesn't have any uh, friends that are willing to do that. (laughs) Exactly. So it might be a little tough. So... And he has a third pod now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I just said. Right, yeah, I know he did. Third, the third pod. The, thir- mm-hmm. the, the three amigo pods, the telepods. Yes, exactly. So now he's telling the computer that he wants like a disc, like I guess a floppy disc or something. But the, now the computer <laughs> will not recognize his voice now because he's almost like pure demon. He has like teeth and his voice yeah, sounds a little yeah, different. All, yeah, yeah, now he's really fucked up. And now his teeth start falling out and shit. This was free. That's freaked me out too. It's yeah. always freaked me out. Because it's it's one of those nightmares that I have, like where things fall off of me, like my teeth fall out or my fingernails fall off or something. Yeah. So it's just like this unnerving, like ugh, I can uh, it just it just gets to me, gets under my skin, if you will. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just like they and they do a good job of it, like slowly building, um, to the to all the shit falling off on him. So after this falls off, you know, Ronnie shows up now. All right, and she's asking what she's um. So Ronnie, so after all this stuff falls off of, of Seth, you know Ronnie's showing up now, like she's coming to to the laboratory, and mm-hmm. we do see a part of Seth. He like keeps all his like old body parts that keep falling off, like his uh, his <laughs> teeth, his fingernails, his, yeah. his ears and shit. He saves it all into like this little like cabinet, like his little bathroom cabinet, and uh, she is there, and she's like. It's like, hey, you know, she shows up. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? You know, are you are you here to see the uh, the museum of Brindle with all my body parts? <laughs> and she's like super upset and stuff. He's like, okay, you know, what's going on over here? And she she is trying to say that she's pregnant, but she can't get it out. Like she can't because yeah. the sight of him is just so like hideous. Like she just can't say it. And he's all like, he's, he's you know he's, he's trying to see right now that she's like upset. And he's like, you know, I think I think you better leave. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Why? Well, I, I just want to say this stuff." And he's like, "Listen." Then he goes on to the speech, it's like, "You know something? You know insects? Have you ever heard about an insect being like in politics?" <laughs> and she, and he's like, "I maybe I could be the first ever insect who can be a politician or like you know do politics and stuff." And then she's yeah. like, still upset, like she's like crying and everything. She's like, "You know, but 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 all honestly to you." I am an insect. I'm an insect who dreams to be a man. And to be honest with you, if you stay here right now with me, I will probably hurt you because I'm not going to be a man anymore. I'm just going to be a bug. And the bugs don't have any loyalty to anybody. Right. Doesn't he say that um, he thought that he, something like he thought that he, instead of being a man, he was a, he was a fly that dreamt he was a man. And now that dream is over. Yes. Yeah, like he kind of thinks that, like he's kind of getting in his mind that maybe he was a fly the entire time, or like from his whole life. Yeah, th- well, that's kind of what he's talking about. Like, I think he's saying that, like he's like he's so mentally gone that like maybe like, like he's starting to think that maybe the fly is what he really is, and he just was pretending to be a person or something yes. like that. Are you dreaming to be in a person? Yeah. So she's like super upset now and she's like after he says like you know I might hurt you she just gets out of there. So she runs back to the Stannis her boss 
And she's like, listen, I need to get this thing out of me right now. He's like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, I need this thing out of me right now. Like, we had to do it right now. He's like, well, it was like in the middle of the night. He's like, I need it out right now. Let's go. And like, they go. And he's like, okay, I'll see what I can do. And they leave. And then while this is happening, Seth, he's like, Seth Fly, he's like looking off. The Brendel Fly is looking, looking on. So they, 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 uh, uh, they take her to like um, Seth's friend or Stannis' friend. It was like a, yeah. I guess to them, doctor. I she guess bas- he's like a, yeah, like a, a doctor. Yeah. yeah. And she basically, he's basically said, listen, doc, we need an emergency abortion right now. He's like, it's the middle of the night. And she's like, we got to have it now. Like the, the, are you, and he's like asking questions. Like, you know, you're the father. No. He's like, who the father is like the farmer. The father is a very de- deformed man. Yeah, he's deformed. We think the baby yeah. might be deformed. And he's all saying, like, listen, like this is like a big decision. I feel like there's some conflict stuff going on here. And then this is when Ronnie's going off. She's like, there's no conflict here. All right? right. You're either going to do this abortion right now. I cannot have this thing in me. All right? Or I'm going to do it myself. All right? So they take her to the room. Seth Bundlefly breaks in there, grabs her ass from the room, flies off, and flies away. And then it sees that it's like, oh shit. So now I guess Seth figured, I guess he eavesdropped and he figured out that he has a baby out there. So mm-hmm. he takes her to like the top of the roof of the laboratory. And he's all like, you know, like, you know, what are you doing over here? Like, why do you want to, you know, kill, kill this baby and stuff? You know, this is the only part of me that's left that's human. That's in you right now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I just can't, I just can't, you know, have this thing in me and stuff. And then, like you know, like he's like asking, like, well, why, why do you want to kill a uh, Brindle baby? All right, that's the only thing that's left to me. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I just I can't stand. Uh, uh, it's too bad, you know. So now, while this is happening, they're talking up there. Uh, the boss he comes back to the laboratory and he has like a shotgun. He like yeah. loads the shotgun stuff and he's looking around. The laboratory's all fucked up and messed up. And then he turns on the computer. This is when we, you know, we we see that the 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 tub one and the tub two, and they're all ready for the the transmission of the bodies and stuff. And this is when the Brendelfly attacks his ass. And I thought this part was crazy, where he fucking vomits on his fucking hand and it melts. <laughs> and this guy's yeah. face was so happy when that was happening. The the, the Brendelfly's face, he yeah. was so happy to fucking melt this motherfucker's hand off. Yeah. And it looks so good. What yeah. a great special effect. And then not only does it melt his hand off, then he melts his leg off. And he's about to yeah. go for the fucking jugular and shit. And yeah. then uh, Ronnie Not stops him. Yeah. And then he goes up there. The Ronnie, Ronnie stops it. He's like, don't do that. And uh, Seth goes onto the, the roof and everything, and the ceiling. And he's all like, you know, he's like, please help me. You know, I want you to teach me how to be human. And so, like, he brings her down to the floor and stuff. And then he's like, listen, here's our idea. I'm going to go in that pod. <laughs> You're going to go in that pod. And what we're going to do is we're going to morph together in some sort <laughs> of, like, creature. <laughs> he's like, he's basically like, me, you, and the Brendel baby are all going to morph into this, like, like spectacular one, one thing. One thing. And it's going to be the most yeah. closest family known to man. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. then she's like, hell no, I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> All right. And he's basically like, no, you're basically going in here. And like during this time, like this, this, this Brendel fly, he is basically becoming a fly. So she actually mm-hmm. grabs like his, 
jaw and everything for a second that just yeah. falls off so he's morphing right now into like this sort of fly sli- slimy demon throughout the whole yeah, process yeah like his face is falling apart and yeah yeah and then like and then during this whole time the uh, the boss guy he's trying to like get the shotgun uh, even though it's hard to do it because he only has one hand yeah so the Brenda Fly throws her ass in the pod he gets in the pod they're about to go the, the, there's a countdown clock going on there brother we're at a minute 38 uh, the, the machine gets turned on everything, and then the boss eventually shoots the wiring. The Brendel bug is pissed off. He tries to get out, but he gets morphed anyway. He runs out of time. Yeah. And he is uh, he's out of the pod, so they get all up and stuff. And they look at the other pod, and uh, the Brendel fly comes out of the, uh, the third pod, and he's basically just like half. He's basically like half a bug right now. Yeah, he's well. It morphs him with the pod because yeah. that's what the computer says. It's like Brendel fly and pod like fuse or fusion or yeah. something like that. So it fuses him with the pods. So there's like pieces of the pod sticking out of him, and he's just like now nah, he's like really fucked up. Yeah, now he's really fucked up. So it's like crawling to her and shit. There's all slimy thing. Mm-hmm. Ronnie she like grabs the shotgun and shit, pointing it at his ass. She doesn't want to shoot him. The fucking Brendel yeah, fly do demon. It. The pod Brendel fly demon creature grabs a shotgun, uh-huh. puts it up to his head. Sad ass moment. I was like, damn, this yeah. shit's sad as fuck. And she eventually <laughs> like cries and shit. And like, shoots his ass off. Shoots his head off. And this head and this head explodes. Yeah. That was yeah. a great effect too. It looked awesome. Yeah. And that ends the fly, brother. I mean, this this was a pretty emotional <laughs> movie. Like, you know, you gotta feel bad yeah, for like gr- this. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes you on a a, a really emotional like roller coaster you know like we have like a lot of stuff over here we have a lonely guy who finds a girl yeah. he really liked he got upset he he did something that he wasn't you know it kind of fucked up his life you know by mm-hmm. doing this experiment that wasn't all fully tested you know and then he tries to you know reconcile it and stuff and then he's basically became mad he was only going to morph them into some sort of fly demon family and then at the end, he's like, you know, I fucked up too bad. He just might as well just end it. So it was like, fuck, man. Just a, it's a crazy story, but it's definitely a very good one, I would say. Yeah, I can, I can just see you watching the end of it and say, man, this is sad as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn it, like that, because you know, like they build up the very characters very well. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you feel bad, at, you know? It's weird too because. You know, even the even the boss, the Stannis guy, even him, mm-hmm. like he was an asshole throughout a lot of the movie. But then, you know, even him, you kind of felt like you know bad for because, you know, he got his fucking hand and you know foot re- like melted off just because he's trying to save the girl he loves. You know. Yeah, he's he's tried to just he, he's an mm-hmm. asshole, but he tried to do the right thing at the end. Yeah, and, like help her out. Know, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Like everybody's kind of sympathetic in the movie, really. Yeah, exactly. So definitely a fun one, everybody. We're definitely starting off this scientific month hot here on the oh, Retro yeah. Blood. And of course, we'll be back next week for The Fly 2. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect this one to be as good, but we'll see what happens. Yes. So, yeah, I heard a couple uh, conflicts about The, uh, the Fly 2 <laughs> not being as good. So, we'll definitely check it out. Um, but we do have a couple other... Scientific movies we're going to be doing this whole month here on yeah. the Retro Bled. So we are going to be doing Reanimator. Yep, and one other one. And we're also going to be doing another one too. And that one's going to be 
a mystery one. That, yes. Uh, that I did see a preview for it, and it's definitely going to be very uh, interesting. Let's <laughs> just say that. Yeah, <laughs> but I will let that one know on the. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll 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 release that one on Fly Two. Tell you guys about that one to absolutely. kind of finish up for the science month here on the Retro Blood. But uh, you know, everybody, you know, this one was you know released this Sunday, April second. Obviously, it's the uh, WrestleMania Part Two night. Yep. I uh, hope you guys. Night tonight. If you guys didn't hear it or anything like that, check us out. We we dropped the show yesterday, talking all about our Lights Out podcast, the sister podcast, the alternative podcast of the Retro Blood. We did a mm. whole two hour discussion on WrestleMania 17. Oh, you know, yeah. we talked everything the 2001 era. We talked the matches. We talked the storylines. We talked WCW, ECW. We talked new metal, John's favorite. We talked all that shit oh, on yeah. there. It's great. So it's a fun time, everybody. So check us out in the archives. You'll definitely will be entertained. Just like I hope you guys were entertained by our quick little review of The Fly over here. Yes. So join us here next week on the Retro Blood as we continue the scientific month with The Fly 2. And Allison, what Motorhead song are we going to be leaving everybody with today? Oh, man. We are going to leave with the uh, Brindle Fly's favorite Favorite Motorhead song, title track, Orgasmatron. Oh, oh, yeah. That, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, before it became, <laughs> before he tran- fully transformed, kind of like Frieza. Yeah. When he fully yeah, transformed yeah. into his, before he fully transformed into his demon, slimy fly creature. Final form. This guy yeah. wanted to fuck everything. So he, yep. was, he was, he was trying to get that fly going on, if you know what I mean. So he was making it happen, <laughs> brother. But everybody. We will talk to you here next time on the Retro Blood. See you later. See you guys. I am the one for Gashmatron, the outstretched grasping hand. My image is of agony. My servants rape the land. Obsequious and arrogant, clandestine and vain. Years of misery, of torture in my name. Hypocrisy made paramount. Paranoia the law. My name is called religion. Sadistic, sacred word.